everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. Um, I am your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed clinician specializing in these things. Uh, the Fearcast, for all of you who are new, is a podcast that is uh, question and answer based. If you have a question about anxiety, OCD, uh, social phobia, specific phobias, panic attack, any sort of thing that makes us nervous or scared, um, you can send a question in to me. I will read it and um, I will likely put it up on a future episode like you're going to hear here, here, here. Anyways, um, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com to learn more about that. You can send in your questions there at the submit a question link or button there at the top. So you can send it uh, to me there and I will read them. So thank you all so much, everybody, for sending in your questions. I've got a ton of questions um, uh, as a backlog. So um, if I if I ever get some extra time, I'm going to just bank a whole bunch or, you know, I'm just going to put out a, a, a double episode. Who knows? But um, if you want to go and ask me a question or give me some feedback on some of the uh, previous questions, or if you want to add something, that would be great. Um, If you are a a return listener, if you like the show, if you don't like the show, can you also go over to fearcastpodcast.com backslash survey? That is where you can go on and give the show some feedback on uh, what we can do to make the show better, what I can do to uh, add to the show, subtract from the show, t- uh, tweak the show just to make it a little bit better. Um, I am trying to take some of that, uh, some of the uh, responses. Thank you all to all of you who have sent in some of your uh, of your own feedback. Um, I'm taking some of that into account, and this is going to be one of those episodes that I'm going to batch to together. So this episode is going to be all about sensory motor and hyper awareness. So I've got three questions about sensory motor and hyper awareness OCD. The reason why I don't necessarily love the batched responses is that my fear is the responses from me will become rather repetitive. So um, I'm recording this bit before I answer the questions. So I don't know how repetitive they're actually going to be. It's going to be a mystery for all of us. So we're all just going to discover together. We have to sit with the uncertainty. Maybe it's going to be different, new, and exciting. Maybe it's going to be monotonous and boring. Who knows? It's exciting, right? But without further ado, everybody, here are the questions. This first question comes from August. August asks, I have pure OCD, and through the help of therapy, I've been able to really overcome a lot of my obsessional fears and keep my compulsions in check. As of recently, I've been struggling with some hyper-awareness OCD and the obsession that things just don't look right. Have I seen things this way before? Have I always seen things this way? Does that look normal? Is that what reality really looks like? Is that a catching of the light, or am I hallucinating? Things like that. I know my obsessions are irrational, but they bother me, and they make me fear that I'm a crazy person with schizophrenia, or that I'm on my way towards that. I brought this up with my therapist, and she says she isn't sure how to approach ERP with how my obsessive thoughts are showing up. I've written scripts about becoming my fears, and they don't seem to keep the thoughts away. My question for you is, what should I do about my underlining fear of being crazy or becoming crazy one day? Thank you for all that you do. All right, August, thank you so much for that question. 
Um, first off, I'm really glad you're making a lot of progress through therapy. I know that you, you also said that your current therapist uh, doesn't quite know what to do with this obsession. But that being said, you also said that you, you made a lot of progress with your other um, with your other obsessor, uh, obsessional fears. So that's fantastic. So to that point, progress can be made. Now, I, I know that sensory motor can, and hyper awareness can feel like it has uh, you know this different quality, or that you're extra screwed, or that you're you're never going to be able to overcome this one. Um, but that ultimately is not the case. This is just like any other manifestation of OCD. And if you've made progress in one, you can make progress in this one too. The number one thing that, that I, I have a question about with this is what are your compulsions? So when you get that thought that says, am I becoming crazy? Am I going to become crazy one day? Um, what do you do about that? Are you checking your thoughts? Are you trying to play the story out into the future and try to, you know, finagle your memory or finagle your thoughts into thinking, no, I'm not going to be crazy or man, if I did become crazy, here's what I do. Um, Is it that uh, you ask people, do you read things? What does it mean to be crazy? How do I know that I'm going crazy? Things like that. Knowing what your compulsions are is going to be one of the first things that you need to do. Why is so that you can start to pull back on those compulsions. As with every manifestation of OCD, we're trying to accept the uncertainty that we don't need to know. We may never know the answer to what our fears are. You may never know if you're going to go crazy because you may never go crazy. But that being said, you may be going crazy. I don't know. And perhaps you don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. When it comes down to it, we're going to have to wait and see. I know that sounds very scary, but that's the reality that we're in. And that's for you and me. We're both in this boat. What if I go crazy one day? What if Kevin Foss goes crazy one day? And by the way, first off, I should say, we're saying going crazy a lot. I'm using the phrase going crazy because uh, August said that phrase. For all of you who don't like that word crazy, that's fine. Whatever verbiage you want, substitute it for you. August says crazy, I'm going with crazy. And I'll say this, I use the word crazy liberally because I use it colloquially for myself. I think that's the verbiage that we all kind of hear in regards to mental health. Um, we can reclaim it. It's ours It's ours again, right? We can say crazy because sometimes we feel like we're going crazy. But that being said, feeling like you're going crazy ain't going crazy. It's feeling like you're going crazy. It's not the same. Anyways, um, own it is what I'm trying to tell you. All right, back to August. I'm willing to bet part of your compulsion is going to be going back to those original statements you said. Does that look normal? Is that what reality really looks like? Is that thing catching my eye wrong or my hallucinating? And double checking, triple checking, validating, reassuring, asking someone, things like that. I'm willing to bet those are your compulsions. All those questions are, are questions. Those are things that, number one, you've spent a long time validating those thoughts. And you've kind of sent the message to yourself, I can't trust my perceptions. I'm unreliable. And in a sense, then your brain goes, man, I guess I am unreliable. Here's what I got to do. I got to figure this thing out. I got to double, triple check just to make sure that I'm not going nuts. Because again, I'm, I'm unreliable. What I'd encourage you to do in this is to actually take that risk to take the uncertain, uh, the uncertain road on this. Does that look normal? I don't know. I don't know if it looks normal. It might not be normal. That might be the way it looks. That might not be the way that it looks. What you're doing with this is you're not saying, yes, it looks normal. You're not saying, no, it looks abnormal. You're saying, maybe. 
Maybe it is, maybe it's not. You're backing off of that typical approach you have done to validate, uh, uh, answer, or to find certainty that you're okay, even though you have that doubt about whether or not you misperceived something. So what we're going to do here is we're going to accept that middle ground. Maybe. In doing so, you're taking the risk. You're not going to get the answer that you desperately want and that your brain wants in order to move on. But you're going to move on anyways with this middle section, with this middle spot. I don't know. The risk here is this. If I don't get this answer, it might be that my worst fear will come true, that I am going crazy. Well, you might. But I'll tell you what, my rule of thumb with going crazy is always this. It's wait. Wait on the question. Because if you're going crazy, people will tell you. Having worked with schizophrenic folks, having worked with people who have uh, uh, gone into psychotic, uh, uh, psychotic breaks, things of that nature, people will tell you. It will either be your therapist or it will be a police officer. Someone will tell you. And that's a great rule of thumb to have. What that can do is it's putting off the responsibility of knowing. I don't need to know. You, August, you don't need to know whether or not you're going crazy because you know what? Someone is going to tell you. And you know what? Until you've heard that message, you haven't gone crazy. But that being said, are you going crazy? I don't know. You don't know. And it doesn't matter. So your question to me, what should I do about my underlining fear of being crazy? Well, you've scripted, which is always a great approach to do. Um, you might want to talk with your ERP therapist about whether or not you can zhuzh up or amplify or, or twist some of your scripts in a way. Um, one script you could do is you could, uh, you could instead of doing a typical script, which would be like, you know, I, 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 noticed that, um, I, I noticed that things don't quite look right and that I am starting to hallucinate. I go to the hospital, they'll tell me, I'm schizophrenia. They put me in a straitjacket. I'm there forever. So that could be one script that you could do. Another one could be writing a story about uh, or writing a a fake news story, right? Um, so newspapers used to be this thing that would be delivered to your house, and uh, they would have like words, and they would have pictures, and they would describe the news instead of um, well, you guys know what newspapers are, anyways. Um, write it as if it's a news article, right? Title. August gets arrested for being crazy, Sub subtitle, um, in hospital forever. And then write the news story out as how you went crazy, what happened, what did your mom say, what did your cousins say, what did the police officers say when they arrested you? That's one way to look at it. Ultimately, it's just another way to kind of mix things up in your scripting exercises. You can write it as a script about what your loved ones said about you and what you were like before and how much how 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 much they loved you beforehand before you you know before you went crazy so you were so delightful and engaging and fun and smart and then man you went crazy and phew, you just they, they just didn't even recognize you anymore it was you were a different person and, and include all the other stuff that that you'd be afraid of happening or you you you'd be afraid of meaning if you went crazy and then resist the urge to try to figure it out. When your brain says, does that look right? I don't know. Maybe. And we're practicing putting off the amount of time that you can sit with that uncertainty before you review or seek certainty. 
So I guess that is one thing that you can do or a couple things you can do. Best of luck. And um, uh, if you have any feedback for it or if you found anything that helped, shoot me another email and let me know and I'll include that in a future episode. So August, thanks so much. Right. This next question comes from Lucky Lou is is their name. So they said, I recently discovered, in quotes, I have sensory motor and hyper awareness OCD. Last summer, I was, quote, diagnosed with OCD. Heart wrenching and scary to me because, come on, labels can be satisfying, but also scary. Anyways, my OCD has always been tied to my breathing. Thinking about flying, scuba diving, space, how all those involve breathing that is somewhat reliant on an external object, like the airplane's air, scuba tank, spacesuit, things like that. All of this is tied to death, my greatest fear. Essentially, my compulsion became taking deep breaths after having these intrusive thoughts and trying to get that click or that deep breath that feels so good. And if I didn't get the click, the anxiety would sneak in and the cycle would start all over. After a year of ERP and CBT, reading books, recording myself, facing the anxiety head on, etc., I started to feel a little better. Well, here I am. She's coming back just the way she always does. I can't stop thinking about my breathing and the sound of my heartbeat and checking my pulse this past week. So I'm at the point where I'm blasting music, eating, and talking so that I don't have to, quote, think about my breaths. My sleep schedule is absolutely wrecked and my mindfulness and acceptance approach is just not working. Your podcast has helped me greatly, but you talk mostly about reading examples, so I'd love if you could elaborate on actual things I can do to help myself. Some of the mental help with this is bringing me to a dead end since this type of OCD is extremely mental. I was wondering if you could offer me some advice because, yes, all I can think about is that, quote, my life is ruined and I will never be happy again. Thank you for your time and reading my hefty response. All right, Lucky Lou, thank you very much for that question. Yes, it was long, but you know what? There's a lot of information in it. So anyways, I think there's going to be a lot of people who hear your question and really know what you're talking about when you talk about that click or that deep breath that feels so good. I hear that all the time from folks who have obsessions about their breath. Oh man, just to be able to breathe and get that that click of, oh, okay, it feels good again. Oh, that's the way it should feel. Well, Lucky Lou, I think I should just call you Lou or Lucky. I don't know. I'm going to pick one. I'm sorry you have to go through this again. It's incredibly frustrating when you, you, you've made a lot of progress before, and then all of a sudden it feels like that, that obsession comes back. It's helpful to remember that OCD is a chronic mental health disorder. It's going to be there, and it's going to come back, and it's going to go away, and then it's going to be back, or it's just going to constantly be there. But that's still okay. What we're learning in this whole process is that we can have these thoughts and live our life. It is not an either or. It's that you and I can have our thoughts and our doubts and the physical sensations. I know a lot of people will pick will pick on me when I say the thoughts. They say it's not thoughts, it's feelings. It's it's fine. It, it, it's both. But some people will say, maybe you've said it yourself. I can't be happy, I can't do my life and think about my breathing and think about my blinking and think about my whatever, my heartbeat. The reality is, is that we can, and it's that we do. If there is anything that I could, I could impart to you, it's an acceptance of the and between these things. 
It's that I can have space in my life, that you can have space in your life to think about your breathing and that that's going to be okay. And that you can take that awareness of your breathing on into all the things in your life that you enjoy doing and to still find that you can have enjoyment, that you can have relationships, that you can have success in life, as well as, you know, all the terrible stuff in life that is just naturally going to come that you and I are going to have to face anyways. But that you're going to have all of those things and that that's going to be okay. You are going to survive them. I've noticed you're doing the don't think about the white elephant when it comes to your breathing. So you're blasting music, you're talking to people, you're eating just to make sure that you're not thinking about your breaths. Well, now you've just doubled up. Don't think about my breaths. All right, now stop thinking about my breathing. Am I thinking about my breathing? Stop thinking about my breathing. When we do that, then everything that we do is compared to your breathing. Am I thinking about my breathing with this thought? No. Great. Am I thinking about it with this thought? No. Great. Or yes, I am. And oh, no, life is over. The goal of effective sensory motor treatment is going to be making space for your breathing and a redirection toward things that you actually care about. Now, that doesn't mean not thinking about your breathing. What that means is saying, sometimes I'm going to think about my breathing because the reality is you're not always thinking about your breathing because the awareness of your breathing comes back. It coming back is evidence that it went away. So we can trust sometimes your attention is going to be on your breathing, sometimes it's not. And when it is there, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. In fact, you can high-five yourself that you're thinking about your breathing, because you're thinking about your breathing, it means that you're breathing, which is a good thing. Trust me, as someone who has fewer lungs than most people, breathing's super cool. I like it. But it's evidence that your body is doing regular old body stuff. What your brain has done is it has connected this function, this neutral function, with something terrible, with an oh no. So it's going to respond to it as if it is terrible, as if there needs to be something done about it, as if you need to stop it or control it, or you need to get that, 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 that feeling again, that right feeling again. My encouragement to you would be to do anything that would allow you to feel that wrong feeling, to not get the click, whatever you can do, so that you can have that feeling that it feels wrong, but to say, okay, it feels wrong. The click isn't there. That deep breath is not going to be there. Okay, well, I'm going to continue to breathe in my day-to-day activities when my hyper-awareness on my breathing is there. I'm going to continue to breathe as maybe the way I typically do, and as I redirect my attention elsewhere. Now, you've said that you've tried scripting, which again, scripting is going to be great. Talking about how your life is going to be over, how nothing is going to be better, how you're always going to think about this, and thinking about your breathing is going to ruin all your relationships and jobs and everything in life. That can be incredibly helpful. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the fear of death because that's not really what you asked about. But that obviously feeds in there somehow. So perhaps talking with your therapist about how that is incorporated into this is going to be helpful. But here's one thing you can try to do. I really enjoy assigning this uh, this exposure. I enjoy it. That's a weird way of saying it. Um, I think it's very helpful um, because you're basically saying, oh no, I need to not think about my breathing. So I want you to think about your breathing. Lucky Lou, that's your job for this next week. Think about your breathing all day, all day and night, all of the time. And you're saying, but Kevin, I'm already doing that. That's why I sent you the email. 
but you're not. You're not thinking about it all the time. The whole point is, I'm willing to bet that you can't think about it all the time. And at some point, you are going to get bored with it. And your brain is going to get distracted by something else. It may be you're going to get distracted by how annoyed you are at me for assigning this. But you also might get distracted by watching a TV show, doing something else, doing dishes. I don't know what you do. But doing that stuff is going to get you distracted. And when you do that, go, oh, darn it, Kevin told me to think about my breathing. And then think about your breathing more. The goal of what we're trying to do here is to diminish the importance you place on the breathing and to to diminish the importance you have on not thinking about it. Instead, we're going to say, this is there. This is here. I'm thinking about my breathing. Cool. Another thing you can do is, this is going to sound really weird, record yourself breathing. I'm really cautious when I'm breathing into this microphone. Here's why. Whenever I go back and listen to other episodes, especially ones where I've interviews and I listen to myself, I sound like a smoker who's been smoking since they were two. It's this, that sound. I can do that, by the way, all the time. That's the magic of my lungs. Anyways, um, for all you hypochondria folks out there, um, that is a super fun exposure. But what we can do here is record yourself breathing and put that on a loop and put your headphones in and then go live your day. You will constantly be hearing your breathing in that. The goal of that, again, is to get bored with the reality that you're, you're, you're breathing and you're, you're hearing it and that you're thinking about it. The goal is this, redirecting outward. We're trying to say, you know what? Yes, I am going to think about my breathing, and that's okay. And I'm going to think about my breathing while I go to the store, and while I go for a drive, and while I go to the gym. And I'm going to have this in my head, and over time, your brain is going to start to filter that out. Now, that's just one thing that you can do. It may or may not be helpful for you. The key to this ultimately is going to be, where is the certainty What certainty are you looking for? The certainty that this thought will go away? The certainty that you are never going to die of this? The certainty that nothing's wrong? I think that would be the bigger question here. What are you trying to get certain about? That you can feel comfortable? That you can still be happy? I don't know. That'd be something for you and your therapist to try to figure out. My only clue here, perhaps, is that my life, you said my life is ruined and will never be happy again. Okay, well, go do things that you historically feel happy in or with or about and think about your breathing. Have that track playing. Think about your breathing and do things that you historically do to have fun. You're going to say, but that's ruining fun things. It's already ruining fun things. That's why you messaged me. The whole point would be to say, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to try to get the best happiness I can by redirecting my attention towards the happiness and not towards the emphasis or not towards that, 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 quote, need to not think about your breathing. Instead, think about it. So, Lucky Lou, I hope all of this makes sense. I hope you, um, I hope you try this stuff. hope it works out. If it does, and some of it you find working, and again, what does it mean to be working? Well, that'll be a decision for you. But uh, shoot me an email. Let me know. Let me know how it works. And uh, we will uh, wait with bated breath. I couldn't help myself. So until then, thank you so much for the question. All right, so this last question comes from Klaus. Klaus says, hello. 
I have had a fixation on my breathing for the past six months. Often, it feels like I'm not getting a satisfactory breath when I yawn or sigh. This leads me to attempting to yawn or even sigh even more until I feel a satisfactory breath. But the relief only lasts a few minutes. This pattern will cycle throughout the day, every day. I've seen a physician to rule out heart and lung problems. I was told this is all mental. How do I get this cycle to stop and go back to breathing normally? Thank you, Klaus. All right, Klaus. Um, great question. It's very, very similar to the previous question. Again, we're talking about breathing. Hopefully, this answer does not become redundant. But I'm going to start with this. What does it mean to breathe normally? I know you probably have an answer as to what you feel was normal. But... The goal in this is not to get back to breathing normally, but to get back to your life and to disregard the importance of what it means to breathe and how you breathe and the quality of your breath and how much and how long and all the other things. It's that you're breathing, but your brain has, is hyper-focusing on the feelings about it and applying this qualitative statement to it. The effort you're putting into making sure that you have this perfect or satisfactory or complete breath is the action that's actually making this thought worse. Now, every breath is compared to the previous breaths. Did this one feel a certain way? Does it feel right? Does it feel wrong? As if that there is a right or wrong feeling. So simply put, you said, how do I get the cycle to stop? Well, stop the cycle. What that means is, when you have a yawn or a sigh that doesn't feel right, acknowledge that feeling. Acknowledge that incompleteness, that non-satisfactory feeling, and sit with that feeling. Say, yeah, it feels wrong, tough. That's the way it feels today. These are my yawns today, and that's going to be okay. That's going to be the one that I get. And it's going to feel weird and it's going to feel wrong. And it's going to, um, you, your brain is going to send off all these messages. Danger, you're screwing up. Something bad's going to happen. Oh my gosh, take the breath. All the things. Because again, you've told your brain, this is what we do. When I feel this way, I do this action. Duh. And you're going to break that cycle. So instead of going through and trying to get the right breath, when you feel the wrong breath, you go, okay, I feel the wrong breath. My life is not going to be about trying to get uh, good or right breaths. Instead, it's to go do other things. It's to go have a job. It's to go call your friends. It's to go whatever you're going to do again, right? That feeling of wrongness in your breath will eventually subside. It may not be quick, but it will go away. And that's great. So we're going to rely on that because, as I mentioned in the previous uh, or to the previous questioners, it comes back, which is evidence that it went away. So great. So break the cycle. Practice this week. When you get that that yawn or that sigh that doesn't feel right, you're going to sit with this and say, "Okay, how long do I think I can go without making it right?" I bet you can surprise yourself. Can you go a minute without getting that breath or that sigh? Try it again. Try it for that minute. After that minute, take that breath, try the sigh. If it still feels wrong, great. I did it for a minute just a moment ago. That means that I can handle this bad and uncomfortable feeling for a minute. That's incredible, right? Maybe I can handle it for two minutes. So try resisting the urge for two minutes and see if you can do two minutes 
without or before you get that that yawn or that sigh or whatever you're trying to do to get that quote right feeling again and so on and so forth if you tried for two minutes and you surprised yourself oh my gosh i didn't do my compulsion for two minutes that means that I can handle this feeling. I have the capacity to handle this garbagey feeling for two minutes. That's incredible. And then, if I can do it for two minutes, man, I wonder if I could do it for three. And then we try to push ourselves and surprise ourselves that I can handle this bit of discomfort. You can handle it without compulsions. Your brain doesn't believe you. Your anxious brain won't believe you. It says, you need this action. This is what gets us through and back to our life. This breath, this yawn, this whatever gets us back to life. It doesn't. You know what gets you back to life? You do. And your redirection of your attention back to your life externally, outside of yourself. And that may be for that minute, you're going to go on Reddit and you're going to scroll through and troll people. I don't know. For that minute, you are going to watch The Office again. For that minute, you're going to juggle. And you're going to turn your attention towards something else that is not your breath, that is marginally more important than your breathing, which is most things. So Klaus, that's going to be your task this next week, is to practice extending the amount of time that you can go without doing that, that bonus yawn, that special yawn, the sigh that makes you feel right again. Instead, we're going to practice feeling wrong and to show ourselves that we don't need to feel right in order to live a life. And it's going to be okay. We're going to be able to get through it. So, Klaus, I hope that helps. Let me know how it goes. And best of luck. All right, everybody, you made it through this episode. We did it. Three questions about hyper-awareness, sensory motor, OCD. Incredible, right, that we put them all together. The best part about this, everybody, for all of you who want other things and mix them up, um, I think I pretty much got through all of the sensory motor hyper-awareness questions that I have in the banks, and now we're going to be getting a lot of HOCD and POCD and relationship OCD, and I got some TOCD questions, some transgender OCD questions in there, so we are going to have some fun, everybody, in mixing things up. Now, everybody, if you haven't checked it out, check out the Phobia Friday series. I'm putting these out uh, on the Friday after I put out an episode, so they're still going to be every other week, but... It's going to mix things up, some kind of in and out questions about, you know, or in and out uh, information about some phobias. This is just a six part series. If you like them, we're going to do more of them. If you have questions about phobias, um, great. I would love to answer phobias. Phobias are super fun and super interesting and super workable. That's the best part about them, everybody. Okay. Please remember, everybody, that the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about uh, therapy or or need some extra support, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and go to the Find Help link, and uh, there'll be some tips and tricks and things for you there. Um, Please remember, everybody, if you also have a question that you would like me to answer on a future episode, go to fearcastpodcast.com. Let's go to the submit a question link there. I would be delighted to answer it. Um, Feel free to also check me out. I haven't mentioned this in a while. Check me out over at uh, Instagram. I am, to no surprise, fearcastpodcast. Sometimes I put things up there that are funny. Sometimes I put things up there that are helpful. Um, Sometimes I just put things up there that don't mean anything. But, um, you know trolling for likes i suppose anyways um check me out there everybody if you like the show um subscribe 
rate it, offer a, a review. Ultimately, all of that just helps other people to find this podcast and uh, hopefully to get some uh, uh, a bonus and additional help. Okay, everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.